Hello, my friends. This is life coach Mike Chargman, and welcome to an episode of Mike's Search for Meaning. I'm after some big questions. Why are we here? What makes a fulfilling life? How can we grow individually and collectively? Each episode, I'll dive deep with leaders who are doing great work in the world and see how they organize their life. Books read, value systems, resources used, and stories that show how each of you can create the life and the world of your dreams. My guest on today's episode of Mike's Search for Meaning is Dr. Amanda Barrientes. You can connect with Amanda in many places. Her website is innerpowerdaily.com. Her incredible top 2% podcast is called Inner Power Entrepreneur. And on all of her socials, she is at Inner Power Daily, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Additionally, I always donate to and raise awareness for the charity or organization of my guest choice. And in this episode, Amanda has selected St. Jude, which is doing really incredible work with children who are facing terminal illness and doing really incredible research to support children who are confronted with mortality at just way too young an age. So given that it is the holiday season, it is the season of giving. This is a really meaningful organization to donate to, and please join me in donating. St. Jude, as well as all the places you can connect with Dr. Amanda, her website, etc., are linked in the show notes. And this conversation is a powerhouse one. You're going to want to take a lot of notes on this. In my experience and in my own life, we all have blocks around money and around living the life that we say we want to live. And Amanda is an expert. She's so good at reading people's energy and making the unconscious conscious. What do I mean by that? If I say that I want to have a seven-figure business and a giant house, and I have a small business and I don't have a house, there are unconscious beliefs, there are limiting beliefs that are blocking me from having the thing that I say that I want. And Amanda is so adept at unearthing these. I workshop some of my limiting beliefs and unconscious beliefs in this episode, especially as it pertains to money. I have lots of blocks around money. A lot of people that I know have blocks around money. And that's why Amanda's work is so powerful and potent. The law of attraction and manifestation are two things that in the personal development world get misconstrued and misinterpreted. But I think that Amanda has really practical applications of these. And we get into this in the conversation, talking about what she calls after mantras and programming our mind by repeating beliefs that we have so that we can start to have inner and outer alignment, thinking, doing, and being who we say we want to be is ultimately the goal of every single human that I know. It was absolutely a privilege to sit down with Amanda. She takes the time to be on a lot of shows and she's really thoughtful on all of her appearances. So I, I really highly recommend checking out not just this episode, but other appearances that she's made and the rest of her work. And with all of that said, settle in, take a deep breath. And enjoy this powerful conversation with Dr. Amanda Barrientes. All right, Dr. Amanda, welcome to Mike's Search for Meaning. Hey, Mike, I'm psyched to be here. <laughs> I know you've done 160 or so of these, so I'm, I'm putting some pressure on myself. And I actually wanted to share some appreciation with you before we dive into the conversation. I 
experience your presence to be really warm and engaging and your content that you put out there to be both simple and provoking. And I, I learned and grew a lot just listening to you on other podcast appearances. And we connected initially, I think it was three or four years ago. And it's cool to see really good people like you succeeding in this world. I, I just wanted to share that with you. Thank you. That's amazing. I love that. I love that we've gotten to be a part of each other's journeys, just, you know, whether it's just little simple messages and then you see the growth over time and it's, yeah, it means a lot. And, and it, something I really aspire to, and I keep getting that feedback is that I make the complex simple, you yeah. know, so it's like universal principles and bring it down into a simple step that you can actually follow to really transform your life or yourself. And so I appreciate the feedback. Thank you. Mm. That, from my understanding, is a sign of mastery in a lot of ways, when you can distill the complex, make it simple and actionable for a lot of people. So I'm excited to get to all the tools, all your views of money, your holistic approach to life. It seems like you've just got a really well-rounded life. But before we go there, I start every conversation by asking the following question. What was it like at your dinner table when you were growing up? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, when we had dinner at the dinner table, it was, we would always pray first, always pray. And then some conversation. And it's, it's interesting. What I remember most is the praying <laughs> and then, you know, eating my mom made dinner a, a lot. So we, when we were young, this, so it's like very young dinner table life. After that, it got a lot more chaotic and people were eating around the ta around the TV or no one was home at the same time. But when we were young, it was, you know, I remember praying and conversation about the day a little bit, but mostly just praying and always cake at the end. My mom loves to make desserts. So we always had a, she made a cake every week and we ate cake at the end of dinner every night. Mm, beautiful. I would love to know, we can dive right into your work a little bit here. I know that you were on food stamps at one point in your life and the work that you do now is around people's money beliefs. And a lot of the money beliefs that we inherit are from our parents. And, and even if you go beyond that from the culture, our parents, grew up in maybe the communities that we were most involved with. So you were, you alluded to this, you're in, you prayed a lot at dinner. So you're, you're in a, a very religious, right? A very Christian household. Those are a few influences on your money beliefs. I would love to just dive <laughs> right in there. What, what were your money beliefs, your family beliefs, inherited money beliefs that you had when you were growing up? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Religion was huge influence. So I was raised fundamentalist Christian and I would say that it's was the main influence of the way that I evolved over my life course and, you know, moved through like that rigid black and white thinking into, you know, then my undergraduate is in psychology and then my PhD is in sociology. And then, you know, stepping into coaching world, it's like this massive evolution from like, you know, a harsh in some, a lot of ways, cruel, scary God is the creator of my life. And, you know, it's either bad or good, right or wrong devil or, or God, you know, punishment, like these really black and white beliefs. And then all the way to coaching and universal laws where it's like, you're the creator of your reality connect with, you know, God, the grand organized design of the universe. And you have a co-creative power to create anything you choose, you know, and it's like, whoa, massive shifts and beliefs across my life course. And, you know, with that came a lot of shifts in my money beliefs. 
So I'd say money was interesting because, you know, there was always that belief of like, you got to work hard to make money. That was one that was really embedded into my being and that I've really played with breaking through, like how can money making be fun and relaxing and joy filled and zone of genius based. And, you know, that, that concept of money is the root of all evil was huge. You know, it was like money is the root of all evil. But then when my parents started to succeed financially, it shifted to the righteous get paid well. Mm. <laughs> so it was like, you know, the, the, all the, it just changed over people's courses. And it, you know, we justify our stance and say what we believe based on where we're at, but then we keep recreating it in our reality because of what we believe. And so, you know, money is the root of all evil was a big one for my family. And then, and really what that meant is like money is corrupt somehow. Wealthy people are bad. It's wrong to make a lot of money. And then when they started making a lot of money, my dad stepped into real estate and my mom cleaned houses, but they both had very lucrative businesses. And so, you know, it turned into like, oh, you know, the more, the wealthier you are, it's because you're righteous. Wow. Okay. So if we... Maybe I'll, I'll share a little bit about my examination of yeah. my beliefs about money too, because money is the root of all evil. I don't know. It, my parents never explicitly said that, but in some way I had this kind of wishy-washy, both really positive projection of money that it would be the answer to all of my life's problems. I know that you share that in my research of you. You, uh, you had this view that if I just had, or people that have a lot of money don't really have problems, right? Yeah. yeah. And so- I in some ways had that view. And I also had this money is the root of all evil view. And so there's like a lot of positive and negative projections onto money, which as I examined my beliefs, as I still examine my beliefs about money has been really confusing. And one of the ways that I have worked on, let's just take money is the root of all evil for myself. When I examined that belief, there's there's a somatic experience for me. There's like a feeling in my body that I am being with. And I mean, I'm skipping a lot of steps, but in, in some way there's a reintegration of, you know, whatever projection I'm putting onto money is something that, that lives within me that I get to look at. It's a shadow in me, something like that. So I'm wondering if you could walk us through money is the root or what what was it? Money is evil. Yeah. Money is the root of all evil. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would, I could walk you. Well, I'll let you finish your question because I'm curious. I want to see what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, there's, I have a lot of curiosities already, but uh, let's just yeah. follow this thread of if yeah. you examine in your own life, you at some point made the determination, I want to have a successful business. I want to help a lot of people. But I also have this belief money is the root of all evil. How, in a practical way, how did you examine that belief in your own life? You know, I think it's interesting as a coach when we, what happens is that as we're breaking through ourselves, we help other people and we're typically just one step ahead or maybe a few steps ahead of the people Mm -hmm. we're helping. And so for me, it started with pain, you know, I'm in pain and I'm tired of this pain. And so, you know, for me, it was specifically being on food stamps, facing homelessness because I couldn't find any place for, to live with me and my three kids because I had this breakup after leaving my marriage, having an affair. I'm in this new relationship. My relationship life is a total mess. My money's a mess. I'm working really hard in grad school to earn a PhD so that I can get out of these issues. And, and, you know, I've gone back to school thinking like, oh, financial security, that would be awesome because my ex-husband and I had a ton of financial upheaval throughout our marriage of 15 years. 
And, you know, so it was like, I had a blend of so many different things going on. And it was, I was in a lot of pain and I was scared, you know, it was like, how am I going to feed my kids? So I went on food stamps, which I had a lot of shame about. And then, you know, now I'm facing homelessness, where am I going to live? And so, and then here I am in this like wealthy environment, both my childhood, this happened as well. So it's wild how those patterns will replay. So in my childhood, I grew up in a very wealthy white community. I'm like, I was the only minority in school. And my parent, my mom was the house cleaner for my wealthy friends. And then my dad started to build up his business. And so, you know, I had a lot of marginalization issues and, you know, inferiority going on, you know, so I really just held myself in the pit big time was like, everyone else is better than me. And then moving into college, similar where here I am brown, single mom, you know, Native American, single mom, first gen college student on food stamps. No, none of my friends knew that other than my very close friends. And I'm watching my friends, you know, during spring break, go to Europe to travel while here I am feeding my kids beans and rice and, you know, figuring out like, how can we go to the park and have a fun picnic so that they feel at least like they got a spring break of something fun because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't have any money to take them anywhere. And, you know, so like, oh man, I had so many complex beliefs. And in that process, as I decided, like I'm laying on the floor one night crying and I go, I'm ready to do whatever it takes to have better relationships and make more money that led me to start shifting my value system. And I didn't know that at the time. I just knew I'm in pain. I want out of this pain. We got to do something different. And I realized I was the central problem. Like, oh, everywhere in my life that I've seen these patterns of problems, I exist, Hmm. (laughs) which means I'm the common denominator. And which was a huge gift. And also, you know, like this liberation of like, oh, I can do something different. No one's coming to rescue me. It's not their fault because here I am again alone. And, you know, it's been the same. So I need to change. And so I started with a wealth building group and I had everyone write money stories because I had been listening to a lot of podcasts about, you know, wealth building and money mindset and reading books and what was just devouring it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start a wealth building group after I'd gone to an event. And I met a few people there that lived in my area. And I was like, let's start a wealth building group. And I, it, you know, I it didn't know it at the time, but I was like real natural leader. So I ended up leading the wealth building group and I was like, let's do a money story. And so I had everyone do money stories and we had this massive breakthroughs. And so then when I stepped into being a coach, I had all my clients write money stories. And so here we are five years later, I'm five years into business building now. And I've read, written and read, written my own money story over and over again and read hundreds, hundreds. I don't know if I'm in the thousands, but I've read hundreds of people's money stories who I've worked with. And I started to see these patterns and I was like, oh no matter how much money you make or don't make, or no matter what type of job you have, or no matter what type of childhood you have, there are three patterns I kept seeing emerge. And it was money is money is bad. Money is scarce and money causes stress. Mm. And so I wouldn't have known that at the time, but now like, you know, as a sociologist researcher brain, I was like, what's the pattern here? And, and it was wild to me. Like you said, I saw all these wealthy people who I thought had no problems. You know, I'm like, Oh, they have amazing money beliefs because they have money. But the truth is when I would start to dig in, you know, they might be like freaked out. There were people that I worked with who made million dollars a year and had, were living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. and had struggling relationships and were degrading their health. And I was like, whoa, this blew my mind, you know? And so I really started to look for the patterns and see what are those overarching beliefs that we have that seem to cut across all humans and how can I categorize them in, in an easy way for people to understand? And so it was like, okay, money is bad, money is scarce and money causes stress. And I haven't seen anyone not live in those three money block beliefs. 
So we'll start there. <laughs> yeah. And say one more, it's really powerful to hear because I think that we all have some of that and I, you've already repeated it, but I, so it takes a while for it to really land in my systems. It's money is bad. Money is stressful and money. Is yeah. Money is bad. Money scarce. is scarce and money causes stress. And interestingly, you could have one, you could have all three, you can go back and forth between them. It just depends on where you're at in life and what you're going through, what you've broken through the layers, you know, we're multi-layered people. And so, you know, a, a big event in life, like, you know, you just became a father, that'll bring up different money beliefs and money blocks <laughs> that you didn't know you had. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. certainly already has. I mean, all, yeah. all the hospital bills coming in and even yeah. before that happened, there was the the pressure I put on myself to support another human. I said before we jumped on, thank God I've already been doing some work around this because not not just money, but around my sense of self and and who I am because if if you're not equipped, it's already hard enough. Being a human to me can be, it's really challenging no matter how much work you do. So I think that you're, you're doing some of the most important work there is. And I've, I've found that money is actually a really interesting, incredible portal into self-discovery. I found oh, yeah. that journey. So I don't know which you can take one of the beliefs or, or all three. I'm drawn to money is scarce. I think that's probably yeah. the most pervasive myth in, in our U.S. culture. So yeah. let's just, yeah, we're, you're, we're in the group right now and yeah. there's 15 of us and, and we all, we're all together going, yeah, money is scarce. Like, it's really hard to make. I've, I've got to go out there and get it or else someone else is going to get it. So what, yeah. how do, how do we reprogram that belief, examine that belief. It, this is really the the bread and butter of your work from what I can Yeah, talk. yeah, absolutely. So I would say you said something really important that I want to hit on before we dig into that belief. It it and you said, you know, it was it's about our beliefs are solidified over time and they get repeated in our mind and we recreate them and then something will happen to help us wake up to integrate. Like I like that word that you used it's integration, right? And coherence. When we're not coherent, it's because we have compete, what I call competing commitments. So we have a desire that's conscious, but we have 95% of us that is unconscious, mm -hmm. right? It's the, our subconscious is run by our habits, which are stored as beliefs and repetitive actions. And so the way that you think and believe and feel is a, is a habit. And so over your life course, you get fed certain things that you keep seeing. And as kids, we're really programmable because we're just absorbing, absorbing, absorbing. No one's telling us this is how you should think and feel and believe. They're just, you're watching people, you're hearing them, mm -hmm. you're influenced by TV. Like, look how many times on TV you see the whole plot is about corruption and money. Like almost every movie is that, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we get this idea in our mind, like money is bad. And, and then, you know, now we start to go like, okay, things happen in my life and, and money becomes this very powerful way to see into your subconscious belief. So that, that was the thread. Yeah. You, it was really important what you said, because for me, I love working with people on money because I can see what their belief system is about everything subconsciously when they write a money story, right? Because yeah. your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So if you don't like what you're getting on the outside, change what's within. So when I have someone write a money story, they're they're it's like they're sharing all of these beliefs that they have that they don't even know they're really sharing with me. And I didn't know when I started doing money stories either. I was like, and, and as I started reading them, I'm like, whoa, this maps onto every part of their life. And it's because it's their subconscious belief system being able to be seen in a tangible form in terms of their relationship with money. 
So that's why looking at your relationship to money is so powerful. You'll see whether you have this overlay of let's, let's go with the belief you wanted to talk about money is scarce. So if you have that belief operating, you're going to live in scarcity, which means that you're always focused on lack. You're thinking I'm not enough. What I do in the world isn't enough. There might never be enough. People might be suffering if I make this much which then can tie back to the money is bad because you could think like, oh, if I make a lot of money, then these poor people over here are suffering. So I'm a jerk. I'm corrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. Which comes back. To big one for yeah. Like spirit, spiritual people tend to be afraid to make a lot of money because they're like, well, is it wrong or bad for me to be mega wealthy? And, you know, to debunk that, you want to start thinking how much impact can I make when I'm focused on survival? not any, you're only focused on yourself when you're in survival mode. So if you have the power to make buckets of money, make it because you can make huge impact in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So money is money is power and money. You are going to become more of who you are with money. So if you're Mm -hmm. a greedy, evil jerk and you make a whole bunch of money, you're going to become more of a greedy, evil jerk. If you're a really awesome person who's doing great things in the world and you make more money, you're going to keep doing really awesome things in the world. So don't be afraid of the more money you make, the more evil you'll become. It doesn't work that way. Right. Yes. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I really appreciate about your work, there's so much. I'm also just appreciating. I, I fucking love having a podcast. I think it's so cool to like, we're, we're just going through such an important topic that is so practical for every single person. And yeah, you have a really interesting look on affirmations. You, you call them affirm mantras. And I don't know if we'll get to that in this question, but I, I feel like it does tie in in a way. So if we stick with money is scarce as a belief, which, which definitely in my system in some way still, and I I feel that, you know, if I outshine or if I make a lot of money when there's so much suffering and poverty in the world that it's a a negative reflection on me. And then, uh, you know, I've read a, a bunch of mindset books. I've read Think and Grow Rich. I know that if I just keep reprogramming my mind to say money is good and I can make a difference with money. There, there's still a a large part of me or parts of me that that reject that, right? That say, yeah, yeah I get, I understand that, but no, but no, we don't get to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I, well, so what what I'm getting to, and and the thing that I love about your work is that you're really practical, and you're you you seem really adept at identifying the smallest step that can move in the direction. So if someone is stuck in money is scarce and has a a big worldview of scarcity and can identify, yes, I can make more of an impact if I make more money. I get that. My mind is enrolled, but there's something stuck in me. I'm I'm stuck with this thing. What's a practical way that someone can start building that habit that that you talk a lot about habits towards abundance? Money is good. Money can make an impact. Yeah. So it's, it's wild because it's such a simple question and it's a simple answer, but it'll take a few minutes to explain. Yeah. <laughs> so let's play with this. I my, I created a formula. It's called the inner power formula. It's three steps. And this is what, if anyone writes this down and uses it for the rest of their lives, they will succeed wildly because it is a habit transformation formula. It reprograms your subconscious mind. And really it's a law of attraction formula. And so it's number one, you've got to recognize Number two, reframe. Number three, repeat to reprogram. I know that sounds crazy simple, but here's why this works is what you're exactly what you're saying. You don't all of a sudden go from 
you know, however old you are, decades of training in a direction in your mind, and all of a sudden you have one thought change and then everything is different. What happens is you have the one thought change, it initiates a change and it starts to plant seeds for the future to be different for you, but it takes repetition to get into your subconscious being and attract a different reality because we're magnetic energetic beings who are, you know, projecting into the quantum field, whatever the whole of you, your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are projecting into that field is what you're going to magnetize back. So let's say that consciously, I love that you said, you said, you know, you logically understand. So it's like consciously, you know, well, the more money I make, the more impact. Subconsciously, there's still parts of you that are picking apart that belief. Mm-hmm. And that are still like, mm, I don't know, I see all these greedy jerks, this, that, and the other, right? And so there's, you're still picking that apart, which means you've got to keep stacking evidence in the direction of what you are choosing to reprogram your mind with because of that repeat to reprogram part. Repeat, repeat, repeat. The only way to change your subconscious mind is two things, repetition and hypnosis. And hypnosis can happen through meditation and, you know, simple ways to uh, you go into a hypnotic brain state when you meditate, or you can hire a hypnotherapist. You could do EFT tapping. Uh, Another way is just simple, repeat, repeat, repeat. And when I say repeat, you want to repeat things like after mantras, um, and we can break down how to do that in the right way. And then you want to repeat actions that are moving you in the direction. You want to repeat looking for evidence. So here's an example of that. This, this is what popped into my mind, right? When you said like, oh, but I still don't quite believe it. You've got to start looking for evidence that it's true that people with a lot of money make awesome impact. Mm-hmm. And you want to be focusing on that every single day. And you want to start stacking that in your mind so that instead of, because you have a lot coming at you that shows it not to be true, right? Mm-hmm. With all the, just if you just go on to Netflix and just watch three movies in a week or two weeks or five weeks or whatever, you're getting programmed with all the beliefs that every documentary rich people, exactly. Rich people are greedy jerks. They ruin the planet. They yada, yada, yada. Right. So you've got to be either choosing to unplug from that or massively also counter that with seeing people do awesome things in the world with their money. Right. Otherwise, you're just programming yourself with the the conditioned belief that it's true. Oh, rich people are greedy jerks. Money causes the world stress and there's never enough for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's conscious intention. Something I love about you and the way that you show up in the world is you're very much about consciousness and evolution. And this is a conscious choice. The reason that people lead happy lives and and are wealthy, not just financially, but in all holistic ways is because they choose to be. And they choose to program themselves for success. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll start with that. <laughs> Can we get into a couple of the Afromantra? I think your your yes. book has a top 30. And I'm, yeah. I mean, this is long form. I'm here for all of them. But do you have a few that stand out to yeah. you? As, as... Let's play with this. The most important thing to take away about Afromantra. So it's a combination. I made the word up because of my formula where I'm like, okay, affirmations are incredible. But they don't work if you're telling yourself things you don't believe to be true, which is what most people are doing. So the only reason you would use an after mantra is because you see a lack of something and that you want, right? Mm-hmm. So you're affirming, I have this thing. But if you, like I said, 95% of you is going, you're full of crap when you say the after mantra or the affirmation, then you're causing resistance, which is actually creating the exact opposite of what you're affirming. So you're pushing it away. So an example, let's say, 
I often use the one like, let's say you're an entrepreneur and you go, I want a six figure business or seven figures, whatever the amount is. Let's just go with six figures. You go, I'm going to six figure business owner. I'm going to six figure business owner, but you're not. And, and you don't know how to do that yet. Your subconscious is going, you're full of crap. You don't know what you're doing. You haven't been able to be successful. Why are you telling yourself this? So all you're doing is creating resistance, 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 and resistance is the number one reason we don't manifest instantaneously. And so we go, oh, that means to use an affirmation correctly, I've got to say something that's 100% believable in my being. And so I created mantras where I go, okay, you've got to use starter statements, which I teach in my book. So starter statements in an affirmative way, repetitively, and then you'll start to reprogram your brain over time. So an example of this would be, instead of saying, I am a six-figure business owner, you say, I'm on my way to being, you know, you mm. can say, I've decided to become, I am learning how to be, I am committed to becoming, I, I would enjoy being. So I teach starter statements. So you say a phrase at the beginning that helps your brain go, yeah, I buy into that. That's awesome. Right. So the simplest one, when you have the most resistance is just, I prefer. So like, let's say you're, you want to lose 20 pounds and you go like, you're beating yourself up because you don't feel healthy and you haven't been going to the gym. And what most people do is instead of like inspiring themselves to go to the gym and focusing on the outcome that they want, they focus on beating themselves up, which causes them to not go to the gym because they're creating a shame and guilt cycle. Right. Mm -hmm. So instead you focus on, I prefer to feel healthy in my body. I prefer to love how I look. I prefer to feel really good. I prefer to do what it takes to like how I feel in my body, those kind of things. And you notice this creates an uplifted vibe. And then what does that kind of person do? The person who enjoys their body and taking care of it starts to want to go to the gym, mm -hmm. right? So instead of creating resistance, they start to create momentum in that direction. Hmm. Are you familiar with the concept of be, do, have? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the the I was sitting with this before. I wanted to get to after mantras first, and and it's really yeah. practical. I love the the invitation to just start with I prefer. Like I yeah. prefer to start going to the gym. I prefer to be healthier, and yeah. I've I've definitely noticed that in my life with starting to eat healthier, with being more open in my relationships. That yeah, yeah, meditation too. That in the beginning, it doesn't really feel good. And so there needs to be some sort of way that you get yourself in the direction. I, at least for me, I needed to get myself in that direction. And then yeah, eventually yeah. the reward is in and of itself. Like yeah, I, let, I look I just forward gotta, to it. We, we got to play with one for you for your money belief. Let's play with an after mantra that works for you so you can start programming yourself because that'll yeah. benefit. I, I went off the thread a little bit, you know, just the broad way to use after mantras. Definitely. Let's play with one for money for you. So it's like, okay. you know, what's your belief about money is, scarce you you were talking about scarcity yeah. so it's like okay if i have too much other people suffer or what what's the belief there like people i won't i'm sitting with people it will think i'm greedy maybe yeah i mean one that i come back to a lot is the perils of capitalism so just mm -hmm. like that we live in a system that's so oppressive and i and i really do believe that and there's a belief that yeah, there's so much suffering and who am I to, who am I to take a, a larger piece of the pie when there's so much suffering? Man, this, there's so many good things to go with this. <laughs> so let's, let's dig just in. just something so important that I want you to question. Okay. The perils of capitalism. And I really do believe that. So if you want to continue to choose to believe that you're going to keep believing that money is scarce and bad. Mm-hmm. 
like you just stated it so clearly. Here's what I believe. And I am like, I mean, my identity is embedded in this. My heels are dug deep in that one. Right. So that yeah. you're going to keep creating money as scarce if that's mm-hmm. what you believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to look at that and go like, is it, tr- is that true? Is that absolutely true? Right. How many people you, you, if you really want to switch that thinking, it's not to say you have to become a person who's like, I'm a freaking capitalist. It, what you have in your mind is I'm a, a capitalist are jerks. Yes. They're greedy assholes, right? Yes. They take that's advantage it. of the planet. They take advantage of the world. How could you see capitalism who, that's been supportive of causes? You've mm-hmm. got to start looking for that evidence. Otherwise, you're going to always keep recreating mm-hmm. never enough money or never the amount that you choose to make because you're going to have this internal battle going like, oh, no, I'm an entrepreneur, which means I'm a capitalist, which means like if I make a lot of money as a capitalist, people are going to think I'm a greedy jerk. And now you've got this huge identity frustration, right? Like yes. it's conflict. And so if you keep believing that, that's what you're going to keep recreating. So now you get to start playing with an affirmation. And I would say in in an affirmation-based way, I would say that plus looking for counter evidence. Like, you know, so I teach people like you got to learn, you got to figure out what the belief is, which we just saw for you very clearly. And then you go like, okay, what's the reframe I choose? And reframes can be action-based, thought-based, feeling-based. So you start playing with like looking I mean, you're going to be specifically, strategically, consciously looking for evidence of capitalists who are doing great things in the world, because mm-hmm. that exists too. Yeah. You just aren't seeing it because you're focusing on the on the greedy jerk. Mm-hmm. I right? think I'm looking at one person right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure many people like something. I, this this one comes up for me with a lot of people because I attract spiritual type people into my reality, and spiritual type people often have that belief like it's not spiritual to make money. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, how do we play with that to go like, actually, it's the most spiritual thing you could do, mm. right? Like, mm. what if it's the most spiritual thing you could do to use your gifts in the world, make the most money possible, spread it to the world, give it all away if you want to. Yeah. If you're a conduit for making a lot of money and you're somebody who's capable of that, make as much as you can and help the world wildly, Yeah. right? Like that would be awesome. What you're saying sounds very, it, it rhymes with, or might even be a direct attribution to Byron Katie's the work, right? Yeah. It's it's an examination, the belief, almost every belief that we have is not capital T true. It, it can be yeah. the, the exact opposite is also true. And it's just our choice. And for whatever, you know, my it's hook, line and sinker for me. Capitalism is bad. People with yeah. money are bad. I've done a lot of work on it. And yeah. I'm still deeply entrenched in that. So but I, I love the invitation to keep playing with this. And yeah, um, th- where do I want to go here? I think one one thing that I think is important, and I've done a lot of work on this. This would be an interesting one to examine too. One of my ways of enoughness or, or building enoughness in my life is to not make my fulfillment and happiness dependent on money. I've done a lot of work on feeling like I have enough, I am enough, and I actually don't need money for that to be true, mm-hmm. which is beautiful. And that that has been yeah. true. Like I've really shifted a lot in my reality that way. So there's this interesting polarity of like, we, we've spoken about how there's people that have tons of money who still have the belief that money is scarce. And so there's a gnarly relationship and you don't have to have all that much money, all that much money to believe you have enough. So how do you hold at tension that polarity of like, you don't need it to actually, you don't need a certain number in your bank account, but it actually is good to have that. Do, do you see where, where I'm getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, it's wild because what you're 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 basically justifying money is scarce money belief. Whenever we mm-hmm. say like I don't need a lot to be happy, most people who say that have a scarcity block, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because here's here's what would be a line to say is let's say you were financially free and then you say like, oh, I, you know, I don't need the money to be happy. That's a choice versus mm-hmm. instead of like, I don't feel like I have choice. So how am I going to justify my position to make myself feel better about it? Mm-hmm. Right. And I want you to think about this. Money is a relationship. It's just energy. It's a value exchange. So if you're sending the signal to money, like I don't need you to be happy, it's not going to come to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Imagine like someone's in the room and they're saying, I don't need to hang out with you to be happy. They're like, well, I'll go somewhere else. Like who wants to hang out with me? Right. So think about money as a relationship. It's just an energetic exchange of value. And so like, I like to tell people like fall in love with money, yeah. have an amazing relationship with money, have gratitude for money, play with money. Have It's, it's a joy filled tool that you can bring into your life to enhance your life and the life of others. And so the choice there is not like, oh, I don't need it to be happy is a justification of scarcity, I think. And so it's like, mm-hmm. how could you play with that and go like, like more money, more, more abundance, more yeah. money, more joy, more money, more spreading impact, more money, more choice, more freedom, more flow, more flexibility, more po- prosperity, mm-hmm. more obliterating poverty. And then that's an interesting one because like that's you having a judgment that poverty is bad. Anti-capitalists tend to think like, oh, capitalists are making a certain class impoverished. And I mean, I have a PhD in sociology. I studied this for years. And believe me, I had a lot of work to break through that stuff because I spent years focusing on marginalization. I mean, sociology, all it is is the study of oppression, basically, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Who's the most oppressed class? How can we help the oppressed people? And so I had years of breaking, you know, it took me a lot to break through those thoughts. And so it's like, okay, then I came to realize like, well, yeah, it it was wild for me to watch the most unhappy people were the people in my department studying oppression. (laughs) They were all on antidepressants, leaving the department out of stress, like national news fallout. I mean, it was crazy. I was like, okay, well, this clearly isn't the solution. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I want the solution. And the solution is getting to the root cause, which is that we are all very abundant spiritual beings and abundance is for everyone. And you being a model of abundance is what raises the vibrational frequency of yourself and the planet. And when you have a high vibrational frequency, you will automatically attract money just because it's the value exchange that we've agreed upon in a material form. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, still so many directions I want to go. So one is <laughs> one, yeah, I was I'm sitting with this question here of okay, this this isn't hundred percent true of me, but I'm sure it's it's a nice template for, you know, someone's listening to this show. They're consuming a lot of the reinforcing, the things that reinforce the beliefs. Money's bad. Capitalism is bad. People that have lots of money do evil things. And they're listening to this and going, yeah, I, I actually want to shift that. I want to surround myself with more empowering. I want to I have the opposite belief. So are there, if you're like building a person from scratch, let's say, and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to empower this person. I'm going to surround them with the beliefs that are going to just light them the fuck up. And they're going to be attracting money. Like it's nobody's business. Are there books, shows, people like who, who would you build as a build a person? Who would you surround people with so that they are just money magnets? I love it. That's it's such a great question, especially as a new dad, right? With thinking like, how do I train my baby to yes. become abundant? Yes. Right. I, I would say it's going to be values based. So it's dependent mm-hmm. on yourself. Like, what are you attracted to? 
And the most important question here is who makes you feel good? Yeah. It's based on your feelings. So <laughs> let's say that you're attracted to watching politics and you walk away feeling upset. Do we want to keep following that? You also want to pay attention to like people demonstrate their values and people show how they feel by what they're doing. Don't yeah. listen to what they say. Watch what they're doing. How do you feel after you interact with someone is their vibrational frequency. My goal in life always is to like, when I have an exchange with someone, I want them to leave higher vibe and inspired. And yeah. so I show up that way. I go like, Hey, ooh, let's dig in. Let's play. I'm going to be a light in the world. I'm going to share my light. And if I'm feeling off, let's say I felt off this morning, which I didn't, cause I love doing podcasting. I agree with you. I think podcasts are like such a gift to the planet. And for me though, let's say I was off this morning and I needed to raise my vibe. I would do something to raise my vibe, to show up here intentionally with you high vibe, because that's important to me. Mm. My reputation is my vibrational frequency, right? Mm -hmm. It's how I leave people feeling. So when you're looking for models of success, you want to pay attention to like, not the social media, that person, you want to pay attention to how, who are they as a human? How do they show up? Do you, when you interact with them, do you feel better? You know, mm. when you're reading their book, are you like, yes, there is truth in this. And you don't even have to know the person. And maybe they changed dramatically since they wrote that book. But are the words in that book true? And are you resonating with it? Is it uplifting you as a human? Follow that. Mm -hmm. It's really powerful. I always tell people, so manifestation, it's three simple steps. This is my formula. And it's, it's a very simple process. Decide what you want with clarity and certainty. Take steps in the direction. Let the universe bring you the way and show you the how. That's it. And so what will happen when you start following your intuition, which is led by your feeling, you'll know because of how you feel. So let's say you go, Ooh, I feel really excited about this thing. And then a book pops in, read it. And then you read that book. And then the next step will pop in if you're open to it and taking time to follow your inspirations, your inspiration is your guide and it'll keep you manifesting in the direction because you have the clarity. So this is exactly how it worked for me, right? I'm on food stamps. I'm like I'm tired of being on food stamps. I'm tired of being poor. I'm ready to make more money. And so I, I put that declaration out there, clearly wanted it. I started taking action by listening to podcasts and reading books and hanging out with wealthier people. And then the next teacher would appear and then I'd follow what they taught and I'd absorb it and I'd learn. And then the next teacher would appear. So you just need to know mm -hmm. step A to B. You don't need to know a step A to Z. That's it. You just know, mm -hmm. you just take step A to B, B will, C will appear. And then sometimes you'll have a quantum leap several steps because all of a sudden you'll have so many breakthroughs and so many, you know, those, that belief system, the paradigm will get massively broken down. And all of a sudden you can take a quantum leap and then you go, Oh, now who's the next teacher and just keep playing, like let the journey be fun. And yeah. you always will know the answers by how you feel. Who have been some of your teachers? Uh, first I think D Dr. Martini, I always share, like he's mm -hmm. one of the greatest teachers of all time, I believe. He radically transformed my life, you know, so I like, I just absorbed, I read his whole library, went to everything I could, you know, he, to me is a very powerful, like he teaches wisdom, truth, and permanent transformation, which I think is essential. <laughs> so Martini, Byron Katie, it's funny he said that, because like the mm. first few people that I interacted with in my personal growth world. It was Byron Katie, Loving What Is, that blew my mind. Martini, Debbie Ford, she wrote The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. And she really mm. is the person who mainstreamed the term shadow work. So she's a Carl Jung follower. And, and 
I love her work. That book really transformed me. Bob Proctor, I think is incredible. Like I really mm-hmm. loved the way that he taught. Yeah. I love, you know, deep thinkers and, and yeah, the, so I'd say those are the people that come to my mind immediately. I've had so many great teachers in different ways. And those are the ones that are like, I followed a lot of what they do in the world or do how, in the world. Not, they're how, not all alive anymore, but yeah. Yeah. How about podcasts? You know, that's an interesting one because I used to listen to a lot of podcasts and I don't anymore. I listen now mostly to books mm-hmm. and I, I've slowed. It, it's been interesting. I, I, I feel like for the first several years, I digested, digested, digested and learned and learned. And now I'm creating and, and yeah. I integrated, I'm creating. And then, and then, so for me, podcasts are very much like strategy based now. It's like, oh, I need to learn this new thing. And I'll listen to like several podcasts and then of the, you know, I'll listen to a podcast on a topic, listen to several episodes. And then I'm like, okay, I got what I needed. And then, and I, and so for me, it's about waiting for what I need at the moment by listening mm-hmm. to my intuition. So I listen to a lot of books now, I would say, like I have hundreds of books on Audible and I'm, I read, I listen probably to two a week, you know, and I'm always learning, but podcasts have, have been less. So now, which is interesting. How about when, you know, we share this, actually, I, I didn't say this earlier on, but podcasts were when I was in the most pain in my life, podcasts were the thing that showed me this whole new paradigm that I didn't even know existed. One for me that shifted everything was Impact Theory. That was a big podcast. Mm-hmm. I was introduced to a lot of really powerful thinkers. And I just, it, it shifted a lot of my beliefs before I even yeah. had to do any of my own work. Just seeing like, wow, this person is talking really authentically and is successful. And this is just a different view of the world than I've ever had before. So I, yeah. I recommend Impact Theory for a lot of yeah. folks who like are That's just looking one. for an intro. Yeah. But are there others that yeah. were... When you were feeling you know, really down. Yeah, you're you're triggering my mind to think of a whole bunch of other people. I'm like, oh, so I can't yeah. not say teachers. Abraham Hicks, absolutely, like big into law of attraction. Like that to me is like foundational, yeah. important. And then Mickey Singer, so the untethered soul. And he actually, most people don't know about this one. And I don't know that everyone would like it. I think you kind of got to start with the untethered soul, but he has one on Audible that's only on Audible and it's a course and it is phenomenal. And it's living from a place of surrender. That one, it, I would say you definitely want to be more advanced in these ways of thinking and like conscious evolution. That one was like mind blowing to me. So he has a podcast. It's short. And that was one I binge listened to a few times recently. So Mickey Singer podcast, Michael Singer is his longer name. You know, when I started, I, I don't even know if it still exists because this was five years ago. I'm pretty sure that it does, but um, the relationship school. So I, like I said, I was super broken in relationships. And so I started listening to relationship podcasts. And so the relationship school, and he, I believe he still has it. And he teaches people how to be relationship coaches, which is the direction I thought I was going to go. And he is the person who led me to Demartini. And then that led me to a whole world of just everything. And so his podcast, if people are looking for relationship advice, like phenomenal. And then, you know, now it's like, I mostly listen to podcasts for like business growth. So, you know, podcasting type of podcast. I just started one today. It was fun. I was like, oh, it just popped up on my feed. If you're a podcaster, it's called why your podcast isn't growing, which is interesting because I don't have that issue. Like I have a top 2% podcast, but I thought like, Hey, you never know. And I want to hear because they've grown really fast. They're only on 20 episodes and they already are in the top 10%. 
And wow. so I was like, well, they're doing something right. So I am often now listening to learn like at that meta level, like I don't need the information they're sharing, but I want to see how they're doing it so I can make my podcast better, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Well, very helpful. I think this, this gives at least a nice starting ground for someone wants to totally shift all of their beliefs and say, all right, I'm done. I'm done with the news. I'm done with all the things that are reinforcing yeah. these beliefs that aren't serving me anyway. Yeah. Oh, wait, we got to plug my podcast. You got to listen to my podcast. (laughs) That's funny. I I forgot to plug my podcast, Inner Power Entrepreneur Podcast. Inner Power Entrepreneur Podcast. Top 2%. Like, I, I, this is going to maybe sound funny, but I will listen to my own podcast every time it gets released. (laughs) I I didn't, I didn't used to do that. And I've been doing it this version. So I'm in season four and it's the Inner Power Entrepreneur and I listen to it to be better. And so, and to hear it from the listener's perspective, mm. you know, it's different when you're producing it. And so, you know, Inner Power Entrepreneur Podcast, it's fun when I listen to it. And I'm like, like, I often, I don't know how you feel about podcasting, but often when I'm doing like a solo cast, I'm like, where did that information come from? I just pour it out. I don't do a yeah. script or anything. I'll write like a few notes and then I just go for it. And I'm like, that was like channeled or something, you know? And so when I listen to it, then I'm like, Oh, wow. That's good stuff. So it's, it's very high vibe and inspirational and strategies, tips, mindset shifts, habits based. Like it's, if you're an entrepreneur, you'll love it. Mm-hmm. Even if you weren't an entrepreneur, you'd still get something out of it, but it's definitely geared toward entrepreneurs. Awesome. I'll make sure, of course, the link to that, I'll link to yeah. all the people you named, the books that you rattled off in, in the show notes and Zona Genius has come up a couple of times. I'm wondering if you could talk about your zone of genius, what the zone of genius is, how you help people arrive at their zone of genius and and all that fun stuff. It's it's funny because now that you're seeing this, I'm like, well, he's in my mentor too. <laughs> like I can't forget Gabe Jay Hendrix. Hendrix. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. He, that book I've read, I've done masterminds with that book, read that book many times. Like I, my whole business is built around zone of genius and Demartini's values. So thank you for that reminder, you know, zone of genius. I've been playing with this for since he was one of the first 10 books I read on this journey of like, when I started to have the breakthroughs, I found that book and I wish I had written down who introduced it to me because I am forever grateful to that person. (laughs) And I don't remember who told me about it. It's such a powerful framework for living your life. And so, you know, when you can get into your zone of genius and for people who don't know what that is, you know, realistically, I think the simplest explanation of zone of genius is doing what you are called to do. It's like a soul's code almost. And you will see patterns of it across your life course. It's the things that you do repeatedly that bring you the most joy. Like you can know that you're doing your zone of genius things by being in joy. So when you wake up in the morning and you're like, I can't wait to do this thing, you're in joy. And you'll see patterns of it across your life course if you pay attention. And in you, you know, now if you decide like, oh, I want to know my zone of genius, you just look back at the patterns of your life and you can start to play with it. In his book, I think it's a little bit challenging to detect your zone of genius. Like I have a lot of people I work with who I have them read that book, we go through it, and they're still like, I just still don't know my zone of genius. So I like to couple it with this with values and then working genius, which is Pat Lynchoni. I don't have you taken that yet? Work, do you know anything about working genius? I am familiar with it. I haven't, okay. there's, there's six different types. Yeah, yeah, take the assessment because it blew my mind actually how much insight it gave me very quickly, differently than when you play with zone of genius. It, it because it's specific to work, the working genius assessment, it's 25 bucks. It's easy to take, mm-hmm. take it online. Very simple. It takes five minutes. It will give you a lot of insight into how you show up in work. And so when I work with my people, I pair all three of those, the Demartini values, 
zone of genius and working genius. And then I help them create basically a profile for entrepreneurship based on those things. And so for me, I discovered like it all came together when I took the working genius assessments. I'm like, makes sense. (laughs) So one of the types is an innovator. Like you come up with a lot of ideas. And, and so, you know, it's like the, yeah. So innovation and discernment. So ideating, coming up with ideas and discerning whether they're good ideas. So a lot of solutions. So it makes sense why what I like to create in the world is content and teaching. Like I love to teach. So it's like, I learn what people need, which is part of the discerning. And then I teach it. And then when people come to me, I'm really good at coming up with solutions that they don't see based on what they're sharing with me. I'm like, oh, have you thought of this? I mean, I can't tell you many times I've had people say, I never thought of it that way. (laughs) You know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. so they're coming and they're going, here's my program product or service. And here's where I'm stuck. Here are my money blocks. What do I do now? And I can like piece that together really easily to go, oh, create this and this will make you money. And then they do it and it does. And they're like, whoa, it's that easy (laughs) the whole time. So it's my genius. I never knew, you know, I just, it, when you realize what you're good at, that's what you want to do more of, you know? So for people listening, it's like, like, how do you play with my zone of joy? Like, think about it as a joy zone where you're like, when I'm doing things that make me really happy, what are you doing? And pay attention. Like, I, I highly recommend, I, I teach people to journal every day and give them prompts. And it's like journal about what brings you joy. And it'll start to give you clues as to what your zone of genius is. When you're in your frustration, that's when you're not able to manifest what you want because you're just creating conflict and fear and frustration and procrastination and doubt and uncertainty and shiny object syndrome, like all the problems that we have that keep us from getting what we want. It's because you're fighting against being in your zone of genius. Mm-hmm. I'd love to parse a little bit through the values that that you or the values-based work that you do with Martini. I think that I'll... I'll share where my thoughts are at right now, and it hopefully will land on a, a question at the end of it. So what I think a lot of the times that we are inspired to action, it's either pain, a vision we're moving towards, or some combination of the two. I think there could be a real multiplier. If you're in pain and you're also really clear on where you want to go, that seems like a really powerful generator for action to happen. Yeah. And And one of the ways to be clear on the vision or who we want to be, how we want to show up is to have values that we, when you were reflecting something back to me and like, if, if I were to really fully believe and embody that money is beautiful, what's a thing that would, a generosity popped right in for me. Like, yeah, I'd be able to give a lot of money to causes that are meaningful to me that mm-hmm. if I don't have a lot of money, like that's, that's an easy one. So yeah, you know, yeah. generosity is a big one that just popped in for me. What are your values? Things that you're maybe your north stars, and and what are what's the values based work that you have done with Demartini, and that you're now integrating in your work with Working Genius and Zona Genius? Yeah. So so first, the differentiation. These are not typical values that most people think of, like generosity. Got like it. that's not necessarily a value. So a lot of people, when you say values, they think like I'm honest or respectful mm-hmm. or trustworthy. These are, those aren't the values we're talking about. We're talking about your highest priorities in life and your telos, your meaning, your purpose. And so these are going to be things like, like generosity might be one, but it'd be more labeled as an action. So the Demartini values are much more about what are the orienting tools of your life. If I were to follow you around for a day and watch what you do, those are your values. 
It's not about like an essence of like a virtue. It's, it's different. So when you're determining your values, it's really easy. Uh, and I'm starting to play with combining all three into a method because it's like, I don't think any one of the tools works on its own. And so this is where my genius comes. I'm like, okay, I see the issue of that. People have a hard time determining what is their genius. And so, you know, I'm going like, okay, it's like inner power genius is what I'll start calling it. And then I have a method that I'm playing with to start going like, does that fit the bill to figure all of this out at once in the simplest way possible? So what I've been playing with is like, you want to look at how you're spending your time, what inspires you, what you spend your money on and what you fill your environment with. So it's time, right? And, and time is one of the most important ways to discover your values because you will always find time for what you value right? So like right now you as a dad, you're, you're getting up at three in the morning to hang out with your baby because you love your wife and your baby. So that is values, right? So family is a high value for you. So that would be a value here. You are mm -hmm. podcasting with me and spending your time putting out free content to the world. High value. I would say that has to do with generosity. It, it, I would dig in and go like, is that teaching? Is it conscious evolution, consciousness evolution? Is it like, what is it for you? You'd mm -hmm. want to start playing with that. And that would give you a clue to your values. So for me, my highest values are I, when I was on food stamps, I shifted wealth building to my highest value. And that's how I got out of food, uh, being on food stamps and started to build my wealth. Now I'd say wealth building is like in there. It's almost like a background spine value that goes across everything I do. So like hmm. every single thing I do is always like, oh, I'm building my wealth. But I think of wealth as health and well-being. It's not just money, right? So that's like the overarching theme of my whole entire reality is conscious evolution and helping myself be like the highest frequency, highest vibe person I can be to raise the frequency of the planet, right? And all the people I interact with. So that's like a spine value. But I, you know, my values that I say are learning, teaching, travel, and love. And, and, you know, learning, teaching, love, travel, and they all integrate. And when you can combine all your values, life is really awesome. Because, you know, for me, like right now, I'm learning and teaching. When I'm podcasting myself and doing my business, I'm learning and teaching. So I get to combine those. Traveling, I travel to speak. All of my trips are paid for by doing something for business. You know, mm -hmm. so then that ties back into the wealth building value. And then love is like, I love my people so much. My husband, my part, my, my family, my friends, my people I work with, like love is high for me. And it's that exchange of, can like real connection like this right now is a loving exchange right yeah so those are my four highest values so you know i say that to give people an example of like what does values look like and you said something really important you're right the only there are only three ways to change your values choice like you said so you can be vision-based and choice and you can change your values or developmental trajectories like aging like when you're 10, you have very different values than when you're 40. So that changes them or cataclysmic events or events, you know, like often it depends on how stuck you are. It might be that a cataclysmic event has to wake you up to get back aligned with your values. So this is why people get sick. This is why people have divorces or me affairs or, you know, like struggles will wake you up to get back into alignment and to find your values in a new way. So those are the things. And sometimes it's just an event, like having a baby is an event that will change your values. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how, like I've alluded to in the beginning of the conversation, I appreciate in doing the research on you that you have a holistic approach to life. I know that you, I mean, given my experience of you, I, I haven't been able to follow you around for a full day, but my experience of you is that it's not just that you have generated wealth in terms of a number in your bank account. You And you just said you you love your life. It's not just the money. You love your life. So it doesn't necessarily have to be 
how has money made you a well we we've spoken about how money doesn't it just kind of illuminates the character that's already there but what are some other ways that you have supported yourself maybe supported your clients in becoming the more whole holistic person ah that's such a good question to me it all starts with how you feel every day like and it starts very small especially like I always ask on my group coaching program, when we come in for meetings, what's your vibe? And I have people plug their vibe rating in zero to 10, like zero would be like stuck, frustrated, struggling. 10 would be like, I love my life. Everything's awesome. Money's flowing. People are flowing. I'm magnetic. You know, so what's your vibe on that level? And you want to be checking in with yourself every day and doing Mm -hmm. things that bring you more joy. So the simplest strategy here, combination wise, ask yourself how you feel when you wake up. If you don't feel good, I I teach people to create an emergency shift list. And what that looks like is 10 things that are quick and easy to do that will raise your vibe. So it could be playing a song. It could be dancing around. It could be 10 pushups. It could be walking around the block. It could be petting your dog. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be reading two pages of a book something that raises your vibe just even momentarily and you do this on repeat will over time cause you to lead a life you love when i was on food stamps and i started doing this stuff i didn't go from like food stamps and crying every single night in bed scared to like the next day feeling great it doesn't work that way right And what I did was exactly what I'm teaching now, because now I see how it happened. And I'm like, oh, this is what I did to grow. This is what I teach people to do to shift into that state of joy. And so it's just, it's a practice and it's a process and it's a choice. It's a habit, right? Mm -hmm. To every day decide, I don't feel good. What am I going to do to uplevel my vibe right now? Okay. Now in the next hour, when I don't feel good again, what am I going to do to level my vibe? Okay. I'm going to do that. And so for me, it started with affirmations in big ways. You know, it was like, I plugged into my cell phone. I I made my cell phone, my cheerleader, and I'd plug in affirmations that would go off every hour. Mm. So just in case I wasn't feeling high vibe, I'd see it. And it would remind me like, Oh, raise your vibe. And I, at the time I wasn't using the word to raise your vibe. It just was, I was just like, Oh yeah. Remember to focus on what's good. You know, that's Mm -hmm. what I started playing with. And so it's very simple strategies. It's, mm. We make it seem so complex and challenging to change. And it's actually very small strategies. I wouldn't even say strategies. It's very small actions over time lead to big results. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Atomic Habits. He's another great yes. teacher, right? James Clear, Atomic Habits. Awesome, incredible book. If you haven't read it, it's an absolute must. I have read it. It is an amazing book. And I I, <laughs> I wrote down an emergency shift list. I really yeah. like that. And and coming up with a list of 10, I mean, you named some really good ones of just go for a walk or doing 10 pushups, things like that. It's really not that hard to shift states. <laughs> yeah. 3D breaths, right? 3D breaths. Yes. 3D I know breaths. it's a big one. Yeah. Before we jumped on, I did five minutes of four, seven, eight breathing. And that's, nice. you know, I, it really helped me drop into my body. So it, I, it I really... That. There are really simple things that, that make a big impact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I would imagine, I've listened to some episodes of impact theory, but it's impact theory, right? Like, yeah. 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 Exactly. So this is a kind of a random left turn, but I, I think it's important. And I've done some work with, I've been in community with men who are formerly incarcerated. And mm-hmm. you at one point did a life history interviews with, was it men that were formerly incarcerated? Yeah. So I, I would love to hear a little bit about that experience. And, you know, like I get really hooked and I imagine a lot of the listeners get really hooked on it's, 
there is so much suffering in this world and there are, and you're part of marginalized groups. You're, you're a woman or you said you're native American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have an interesting line. I would have a more of a reaction. If the, if you were a white man sitting across from me, I would have a, like a, yeah, you get to say that because you're a white man, which of course is anyway, I, I know yeah. that that's some shadow <laughs> work for me to do as a white man. Yeah. But I guess one of the things that I wanted to make more explicit in this conversation is that you have done a lot of work with marginalized populations and you are in multiple marginalized populations. So I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit about the life histories that you did with men who were formerly incarcerated and and maybe just a little bit more about how you look at money for. Let's just say like a, a young black woman is listening to this show. Yeah, the system is fucking stacked against me. This is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that work was so profound. So it's my dissertation research. And so I did life history interviews with incarcerated men who had spent on average 18 years incarcerated and then were all gang involved as children. And and then they were in this new like they had worked really hard to get into a rehabilitation program. So I looked at their trauma in their childhood, trauma in gang involvement, and trauma in prison. And wow, it blew my mind. So originally I stepped into this work because I wanted to, my question was like, why are men so violent? Mm-hmm. And I really had a thing against men. You know, I'd had a lot of experiences in my history that were like, men are bad and men suck, you know? And so I went in and I fell in love with men through this work. Like it was phenomenal transformation of myself, of them. Uh, you know, it was like, oh, it was such amazing an amazing experience. So I'd sit in the room with these men and I have this giant calendar where we mapped out their life history and they would share stories and I'd take notes and, and you know, recorded the whole thing. And like the most phenomenal parts to me were that like at, during the interview, they would often cry and, and 90, I think it was 92%. It's been a while since I looked at the numbers, but like 92% of them said to me, you're the only person who's ever asked me about my history, like mm. my, my childhood. And, and they would be like, thank you for letting me say these things. And it was like, I mean, we we're talking like movie-like violence for some of these kids, like kids, like baby, like little baby, like they're nine years old carrying weapons and just having these crazy things happen in their lives. And I was like blown away by like, of course they turned out this way, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no other way. Of course they did. And now knowing law of attraction, I'm like, that even just makes so much more sense. And so, and, you know, I was studying it from a sociological perspective. And so, you know, I would say it's been really interesting to go from sociology where it was all about marginalization and then into coaching where I'm like, we are spirits and souls and our skin doesn't matter. Our Mm -hmm. gender doesn't matter. Our none of that matters, but we buy into it as constructs to create differentiation and, you know, what you focus on expands. So if you are looking at yourself as like, I'm a black poor woman, then you're going to keep being a black poor woman. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at it as like, I'm a beautiful soul who is expansive and can expand to any level I choose, that's what you're going to expand into. And so that was big work for me to go from like, I mean, I spent seven years in victim studies. I mean, I, I, I took classes called mass trauma, like mm-hmm. genocide, gender and mass trauma, rape and trauma, like you know, criminal justice system and trauma. Like I studied victimology the whole time and it was like in my brain big time. And then I went from like, and and for me and race class trauma 
gender. Like I was like, I'm marginalized. I'm never going to make it. My life is horrible. You know, I was a single native American, first gen poor, like I had all the things going against me. And so I felt like hell all the time. And then I started to move into coaching as I was in this program and working with these guys. And I was like, and it was so cool because those guys themselves, they would, didn't see themselves as victims, which is an interesting thing. Guys don't tend to see themselves as victims. So that was part of the research, you know, was like, you know, why do guys who are going through sexual abuse and crazy physical violence not see themselves as victims? That's wild, you know? But then, you know, it, it caused me to look at victimization in general and see how we see ourselves and why we keep recreating certain realities as societies, as individuals, as cultures, as movements. You know, we if we believe that a certain class is marginalized and we keep putting that out in the world, that's what's going to keep happening. Mm. And so, you know, shifting into a law of attraction manifestation quantum physics situation out of, you know, like distinction in sociology where it's like there are marginalized classes and then seeing why that gets created from a universal law perspective it was like whoa this is Hmm. it was it's been a wild experience and so you know those guys taught me so much about myself about men about trauma about empowerment and overcoming I would always ask them you know what what caused you to change because they had to work really hard to get into this rehabilitation program. It only had 162 beds. I mean, you know, we're talking a huge problem with the criminal justice system, you know, full, and there's not a lot of opportunities for these guys to transform themselves. And they would all say choice. I was ready to change. I made the decision to change. And Mm -hmm. it really blew my mind, you know, like, Oh, someone coming from that degree of marginalization can decide to change and get a better outcome. Anyone can do it then. Man, am I glad I asked you that question. That was, <laughs> there's a lot of profound stuff in there. Yeah. Is there anything we haven't spoken about so far today that you would like to bring into the conversation now? It has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I love, I thank you for having me on. It's, it's an honor and a privilege to come on to people's shows and share with your community because I know you've taken time to cultivate and connect and grow your people and and attract the right people to you. And so it's like, if I, if you're having me on your show, I know that you have a space being held for like, oh, she has something to share with my people. So thank you. It's, it's an honor. My absolute pleasure. It's been so fun. It's been a blast on my end too. I, I have just a, a few more questions. I usually at the back end ask some thought provoking. They could be quick answers. They don't have to be. We, we still have plenty of time. So that's entirely up to you. But I would love to hear first, where do you feel most unfinished? in your life right now? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, I would say impact wise, I'm ready for bigger impact. Like I've put so much content into the world in the last five years. I mean, like it is unbelievable how much stuff I've put into the world and a place of a growth edge for me is not beating myself up for not being farther along in terms of impact. You know, like I have that question sometimes like, well, why am I not making bigger impacts? Like I should be, you know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so I'd say, you know, that's a place of growth for me and a place where I'm like, oh, that's not finished because my big lifetime vision is to impact a minimum, a minimum of 5 million people through my company and through everything I put in the world. And so I know I'm on my way and I I'm still playing with that impatience piece, you know, where it's like, should be happening faster. And then, so, you know, my work this year has been like slowing down, being present, trusting that everything is being planted and it's perfectly aligned at the perfect time right now. 
and and it and it's inevitable you know like my my success in that way is inevitable as long as i just keep and as long as i keep doing the work that i love in the world it, it will impact and reach the right people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i wanted to pick your brain on quotes i've heard you multiple times quote carl young i think the quote is until you make the unconscious conscious it will run your life and you will call it fate is that is yeah that the right quote? yeah you seem like you've got a bunch that you go to or at yeah. least fall. I love quotes. Do you, are there any that? Uh, I love that quote so much. That's such a good one. Yeah. That one is like the organizing principle of my entire world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. There are so many good ones. I love the one by it's not, is it Rumi? No, it's not Rumi. Lao Tzu. Nature never hurries yet. Everything is accomplished. Nature never hurries, yet everything is accomplished. I think that's such a beautiful quote to remember and remind ourselves when we get impatient. Of course, mm-hmm. I love that one because it's one of my growth edges. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, let's play with this. Like nature never hurries, yet everything is accomplished. Like it's all in perfect timing. Abraham Hicks, this is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, you can't have a happy ending to a miserable journey. Mm-hmm. You can't have, and so I I say, because I teach a program from struggle to, from struggle to success, like program yourself for success, move out of struggle and into success. So I say you can't have a successful ending to a struggle filled journey. It's like an impossibility, right? You can't create in the future what you aren't in the now it's be, do, have, like you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that one. Oh man, I could go all day if you want. <laughs> I, if, if there's I love, others. I love quotes. Yeah, it's like, let's see, uh, and I, I say mine all the time, but is a combination of universal principles mixed with, you know, just a reminder of what we, what we choose to become and why we're getting our reality. So it's like your outer world, the reflection of your inner world. If you don't like what you're getting on the outside, change what's within. So it's this constant reminder, reminder, turn back to my inner power, turn back to my mindset. If I don't like what I'm getting on the outside, it's always a reflection of what's going on within me. And so where do I need to look? What am I projecting? What am I, what shadow am I not owning? Uh, where am I blocked? Where am I having a belief that needs to be changed? Like, what can I do differently? How can I be different so yeah. that I can get different results in the outer world? I mean, that's a be, do, have quote, right? I love Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, a mind what's stretched by a new idea can never return to its original dimensions. A mind mm-hmm. once stretched by a new idea can never return to its original dimensions. And to me, that's podcasting, right? Like, if someone's listening right now and they heard one thing today that changed the way they think and feel, I've done my job. You've done your job, right? Like mm-hmm. that is us making an impact. And that's like so cool. So, and it's reminding yourself, like I can change in, at any point in time. I am one thought away from wild success, from wild prosperity, from millions of dollars, from happy marriage, from you're just one thought away. And so it's like, I just need one thought change. And that's why it's so important to keep learning and growing every single day and, and hanging out with people who are high vibe, who can be magnets for success and magnets for, for like, you know, I want to say like goodness, it's like good feelings. You, know, mm-hmm. you want to hang out with people who are saying and sharing and doing good things instead of complaining and talking about all the problems of the world. Yeah. What's an ordinary everyday moment that brings you great joy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I would say my mornings with my honey are just heaven. Like we get up in the morning and we make this like mushroom tea that we have. And then we do my daily program. It's a morning routine for entrepreneurs. We do, we listen to it together. We read first because I do book club every week. So we read together, we listen to it. Then we, we like have our meditation. We journal, we talk about it. Like to me, that is like the best start of the day. Like I love 
having a human in my life who I'm so resonant with. And like, we just like, when we go to bed at night, I'm like, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. like he's my best friend and it's amazing. And so he's a huge part of my happiness and joy. And just the fact that I've, I've become a person who could attract a relationship like that. He's the type of person who has, who can be in this relationship with me and, mm. and have it be like this launching pad for just bliss in life, you know? We work together too, you know, he, he I am aware of that. Yeah. 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 That's beautiful. My parents work together too. And I think that's a beautiful, I, I get a lot of feedback. Like, wow. I can't believe that your parents work together. That must be so hard. And I, I think it's such a beautiful union, a, another expression of the relationship. So yeah. I thought it was, it was neat to hear that you work with your husband. Yeah, that's cool. It's interesting you say it because almost everyone we say that to, they're like, I could never work with my partner. <laughs> and I'm like, I know people say that to me all the time. When we decided to do it, we would have people like warn us. They're like, that's going to ruin your relationship. We were like, wow, what are you, what are you projecting here? Like, yeah, thanks. exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. and I get it. Like, and that's, that's a good, it's good feedback. If that's what you're saying, then probably you want to look within and go like, is my relationship one? Also, some people just aren't meant to work together. Like yeah. that's a choice. Like I, I don't think like every, I'm not saying like every person should work together. Like I don't think that that's it. It can't. It doesn't necessarily work for everyone. We really, when we start doing working genius types, we we're like the opposite, and so we supplement and complement each other really well. So it's you know it just worked out beautifully. Mm-hmm. Could you share your morning routine? I think it'd be really helpful for yeah. for those tuned in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if people are interested, like the morning routine I created, if they just go to morning routine for entrepreneurs, I have a program and seven day free trial. Part of the reason I created it is because of my book has journaling prompts in it. And I had people emailing me being like, I'm lost without your journaling prompts because you do 30 days of journaling. And then at the end you're done. And they were like, I'm lost without this. I don't know what to do. And I was like, huh, I could create thousands of journaling prompts a day. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is easy for me. And so I thought, Ooh, what could I do to create a program? Like I love podcasting. So they're all audio lessons and they include a lesson. So it's like inspirational conversation geared toward entrepreneurs to help them stay high vibe. So mindset, habits, strategy, that type of stuff across the topics of inner power, win-win relationships, money mastery, vision and goals, and business growth. And so every day they get a different lesson and it includes um, the lesson, the journaling prompt, a short two minute meditation and an after mantra. So every single day, five days a week, and then there's a book club and then a master class once a month. And so I, the reason I came up with, you know, that structure of what to do is I wanted it to be short because I know most people won't do it if it's long. A lot of people have like two hour morning routines. I can too. For people, I want to make sure they have at least the 15 minutes you know, and if they're busy and they're not aligned and they're feeling stressed, most people are like, great, I got to put in an hour long morning routine. They won't do it. And so it's short. It's meant to be done in 15 minutes and it includes learning, journaling, meditation. So, you know, whether you're in my program or not, I always recommend that for people like journaling and learning and the people are very resistant to journaling. And the reason that I like the prompts is because often they're resistant because they look at the journal and they don't know what to write. Mm -hmm. And so a prompt really helps you play with the self-discovery. It's like, I think of your journal as a Bible of yourself and it's you coaching yourself. Like you Mm -hmm. learn how to self-coach just by digging into the unconscious so you can make it conscious and then shift your life. So I always say those three things. Of course, I think exercise is a really powerful habit. I used to do mine every morning and now I do it at at the end of my workday. And that's just worked out better for me in this era of my life. I highly recommend people do exercise every day. So that might be something that's also included in there. 
But I think that the, if you do those four things, you'll be aligned for the day and you want to start your energy high because mm-hmm. whatever you start your day with is what is going to snowball for the day. And so if you start stressed out and like harried and frazzled and overloaded, that's what you create for the rest of your day. And then that's what you create for your life. So it's really important to get grounded and, and centered and vibrationally high vibe in the morning. Hmm. When you hear the word success, who's the first person that comes to mind? Oh, wow. That's, that's funny. <laughs> it, <laughs> I didn't have a person pop into my mind. I just had so many, because I've been saying the word success so frequently lately. I, I, I thought you were going to say like, what does it mean to you? I, you I'm, know, happy, I'm happy to hear that too. Yeah. You know, I don't, a person doesn't pop in. It's like an energy to me. Mm-hmm. It's an energy and it's an energy of joy. It's like, if mm-hmm. you wake up every day feeling joy and happiness, you've made your life a success. If you wake up every day feeling like I cannot wait to live my life today, you're successful. That's how I think of success. So, you know, it's like any person who's doing that would come to mind. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, I'll make sure to connect, not to connect, to link to all the places that people can connect with you in the show notes as well. And the final question, which is a corollary to the success question, but the podcast is called Mike's Search for Meaning. And I would love to hear in Dr. Amanda's words, what it means to live a meaningful life. Joy. It's always, it always comes back to joy. Like meaningful life to me is doing what I love making impact and just being super abundant. So it's like that exchange of, I I am healthy, money's flowing in, I'm making impact, I'm making a difference in people's lives. My relationships are happy. I feel healthy in my body. Like I leave a lasting impact of, oh, Amanda inspired me to be a better human, to like Mm -hmm. live my life more aligned and be conscious and just feel better in my soul, in my being, you know, like, that's a meaningful life to me. Mm. Beautiful note to end this conversation on. It was such a blast to have you on, Dr. Amanda. Thank you so much. You you said at various points that joy, I mean, at the end here, you said it, that joy contributes to success and meaningful life. You've brought me a lot of joy today in a, in a day that didn't start so great. You know, it's still the morning in my end. No, it's, it's afternoon, actually. We started this morning, though. And like you alluded to, I woke up at 3 a.m. to feed my son. I didn't really get back down to bed. And this is uh, this conversation is a good marker that if we just have, we surround ourselves with the right people, the right energy, that we can make really profound shifts in our life. It was such a pleasure to have you on to get to know more about you. I just love the way that you're living and being. And man, I, I learned a lot from this episode. I'm imagining my listeners will feel the same way. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. It was pure joy. So to everyone who's listening, I hope you're probably going to want to go back to this one and and take more notes. You're definitely going to want to check out her work. You're going to want to see all her free resources. She does put out a shit ton of content to use the technical term. There's just so much that you can go through. She's been on a lot of other shows. So definitely check her out. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a good rest of your day or evening. Sending lots of love. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to Mike's Search for Meaning. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, share this episode with your friends, and leave a review. I look forward to seeing you next time, my friends. And until then, stay safe, stay well, and keep living with purpose. Peace.